listening to the Uloft podcast presented by United IUP, a community of college students and young adults in Indiana, Pennsylvania, who are dedicated to unite with each other and Christ to change the world around us. We hope that this podcast raises questions and answers others while ultimately starting a conversation to discover unifying biblical truth in this chaotic world. Every time that someone says something insane, you just have a gasp. You should just play this right here. Try that again. (gasps) Yeah, there you go. You can just edit that little clip out. I feel like... Save it as a sound bite and just replug it back in everywhere. I'm in the middle of making some reels, so my bad. Yeah. Uh. Although, if you had that sound recording last week or the week before, <laughs> or maybe pretty much any time, pretty we much talk any time about that Caleb has been back, <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like it has anything to do with me. I don't know, dude. The last three times, I think it's just hit. well. Okay, so to be fair, we've been doing like things that are risque in like conversation because of the. Maybe not risque, but we um, have not been doing anything risque <laughs> in our conversations. Um, because of the topic of relationships and sex and dating and all that kind of stuff, it's like, of course, we're gonna get some <gasps> moments. Yes. So yeah. yeah. If I had come back in the middle of the mental health thing that we're gonna be doing through plug for next month, talking mental health, it probably would not have been that way. <laughs> well, I hope not. I hope you're not <laughs> pl- plugging jokes. At, uh... That is true. Yes, we have been set up for disaster. <clears throat> with the... This is not disastrous. What are you talking this about? This has been great. I agree. I have enjoyed myself. This is, if you didn't know, this is the number one rated podcast rated podcast for young adults on Spotify in Indiana County. <laughs> <laughs> Named You Loved Podcast. Wow. Number one, baby. Number one. How did we end up here? <laughs> Beating Joe Rogan out. Yeah, well, we're number one, so. Yeah. We're number one. Joe Rogan doesn't we're have a podcast in Indiana County named right. Loft, so he lost. Yeah. I'm, Take it. I'm sure he's crying in his soup. <laughs> okay. Is that a phrase, crying <laughs> in your Cry. soup? No, I just took an ayahuasca trip with Aaron Rodgers to make himself feel better. That's what happened. <laughs> Speaking oh, of poor ayahuasca. Guy. <laughs> no, we're not going to get into that today. <laughs> Save that for later for mental health. (laughs) That would make a good one for mental health. Today, we are going to talk about soul ties. For those who maybe are jumping into the podcast for the first time, my name is Michael Vaughn, and I'm sitting here with Kendall and Caleb. What's up? That was really bad. All right. I'm I'm Kendall. That's Caleb. Yes. Okay. Soul ties. (laughs) So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to define it according to a definition. Um, This this is from Christianity.com. Um, Seems ob- reputable. Obviously, the. the uh, <laughs> How early did they have to buy that URL? I don't like, know. Did they I buy that actually, URL in 1985? They had to have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about that as I was looking at, at the de- at the definition. I was like, man, if you have this URL, like that's you just win. It's like scripture and then Christianity.com. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, you crushed it. I think the only thing that like beats it out is like Bible Hub, and that's about it. Or yeah. um, uh, There is Bible.com. Yeah, Bible. <laughs> but that's the thing. Nobody actually goes to Bible.com. They, they go, go to, to Bible Gateway. Yeah, Bible Gateway. Yeah. So even Bible.com lost out to Bible Gateway. Can you imagine if you'd spent all the money to get Bible.com, yeah, and then gosh. you get beat by some weirdo Bible Gateway? <laughs> well, it just has better church, user so. like, interface. That you got to use your SEO, dog. Yeah, SEO. That's anyway, okay. Ties, Continue. <laughs> Christianity.com. Okay. Uh, so here's the definition. The concept of soul ties refers to a bond between two people. Some proponents of this concept teach that both parties in the bond experience an intertwining of their souls. Others believe that soul ties refer to a strong connection based on physical and emotional energy. However, A common theme among supporters of this concept is that the link between two people is a mystical connection. This so-called bond between two people's souls often occurs through sexual acts. People often use the concept to promote the idea of finding the person who completes them. Although soul ties often refer to a deeper connection through sexual relations, other ties can also be formed between two friends or between people who knew each other from past lives. So that's what Christianity.com has to say about it in terms of its definition. Uh, the author of the article, for full transparency, does not believe that soul ties is a biblical has a biblical foundation. Um, 
I'm leaning towards that myself, although I'm open to education on this because there are a lot of churches and pastors who teach this doctrine as if it is a biblical doctrine. So, so can we say, give context why we're talking about it specifically? Like we have used this terminology uh, in, not in the last two years, but in the year beforehand for sure. Uh, when we did relationship goals, um, if you were here in 2020, we did relationship goals. Man, we are just starting out. <clears throat> I know, it's crazy. We've come so far. So far. So far. Uh, look at us. We have the number one rated podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Anyways. Uh. Um, so yeah, uh, <clears throat> we've talked about this before and uh, we were actually prepping. We were doing some sermon prep stuff for what the Unite is going to be tonight. Again, we record these on Tuesday mornings. Um, so you're hearing this maybe on Friday, but Tuesday mornings was when we record this. Um, and we were talking last night, yesterday about... Uh, just the concept and um is it biblical is it a concept that we've given the wrong title to yeah um, that's a good question you know uh that's kind of where i lean a little bit more of but i'll let you take it away after after that so go ahead michael um okay so i think that i'm leaning towards the proposition that this idea is a consequence of a confusion between the intermingling of the flesh that happens in marriage and also the warning against the intertwining of the flesh when it comes to extramarital sex or premarital sex or sex with a prostitute like as the bible would say you know you don't want to be with a prostitute because then you'll become one flesh with that person and you know and, and then there's this is a good thing that happens in marriage but i'm not convinced that this is an intertwining at the level of the soul um in the sense that your soul can be bonded to another person's soul. And then if you're not with that person anymore, the soul is fragmented. Like this just teaches mm -hmm. a lot of things about the soul that um, I'm not convinced are biblical. Mm. So I, I think that it is a bad terminology. I concur. Um, and I think that it is a concept that is, that is uh, experienced and that I think is true, but not necessarily like completely biblical in a sense of the Bible specifically spells this particular thing out. So for instance, if I was to say, and for the record, Michael and I have had many conversations about this, and I don't know that I would ever defend the- But Caleb has never been in the room, so I'm gonna <laughs> set the record straight. Yeah, uh, so I would never <laughs> I would never defend the phrase soul tie, but I would defend the concept only yeah, yeah. in the sense that you're right. I think that it doesn't knit souls together um, <clears throat> that, would be ridiculous. But I think the word that they're trying to look for, that people are trying to look for, is it really does knit your uh, heart together in a sense. Like, um, and if you wanna say heart, like your feelings, your emotions, like um, your uh, desires essentially, um, those kind of things you do give to someone that you have sex with, um, whether it be yada in marriage or whether it be uh, premarital sex, like you are absolutely giving a lot of yourself over and it's more than just your flesh. It is something that's a little deeper. Um, so I think the word soul is where you can really get hung up on because uh, like the soul is something that's so much deeper than just your feelings, your emotions, your thoughts. Like I know that's, we, we go with mind, will, emotions is like what makes up the soul, but we don't know. I mean, that was just something that, uh, some philosopher said. And so maybe y'all know, I don't know specifically who said that. So what I would like to say to start off and to give us foundation here is that when you have sex with somebody, you are not, as long as you are in a decent state of mind, you are not going to forget them. Like you yeah. are tied to them in some way. <laughs> they have taken something from you. You have given something to them. You have taken something from them and you have given something to them. They've given something to you as well. So like, um, and that might actually be in the physical form of a baby, who knows? And then you really are tied uh, for a long time, um, forever, essentially. At minimum 18 years. Yeah, minimum 18 years. So like, support. you know, part of my story is that I, I, I had a kid when I was 17 and um, like, I'm not ever going to forget his mom. Like, yeah. you know, that would be kind of ridiculous. Like we don't talk ever. 
but I also don't ever forget who she is. And that was 17, almost 18 years ago. Yeah. Um, and so like we are technically tied together in some instance. Um, and I would also say that even the world, quote unquote, the secular world holds to this, um, especially when it comes to your first, quote unquote. You never forget your first, you know, um, like that is that is a statement that people have believed to be true without even reading the Bible, without even getting into the idea of soul ties is like, you don't forget that first experience. And I would say that if you are not inebriated, you probably don't forget any of your experiences because it is something that is supposed to knit you together as one flesh. And, and we have, we talked about this last week where we have terrible words and phrases for things. Like we just yeah. kind of get lazy. And I think the word soul tie or the phrase soul tie is something that's lazy that is trying to explain something that is much deeper um, than what we really understand. And so yeah. we just put this label on it so, and go from there. So if you go back and watch some of our sermons from the first year that we did United and whatnot. United IUP on YouTube. <clears throat> um, Number one YouTube channel. In Indiana Number County. one United IUP YouTube <laughs> channel. <laughs> Um, you know, we can even recognize it's like, you know, we might not get things completely right or, you know, it's like we can grow in our knowledge and understanding. And if we do grow in our, presumably we should be growing in our knowledge and understanding and we can look back on things and say, maybe that wasn't the most clear. And even Kendall and I will admit, like when we preach all the time, it's not like we, we hope that we, you know, we do our best in communicating um, the teachings of the gospel and the teaching of the Bible and allowing the Holy Spirit to move um, and use us to speak instead of us speaking ourselves. But we also recognize that um, there is the possibility that, you know, we get things wrong and, you know, we can, we are, we are grown enough men that we could admit we didn't get something completely right or, um, Maybe we were on the right idea, but used poor language to. I'm a grown man. It. Yeah. So a, a couple things that came to mind. Um, I wish so like Joe Rogan when he does his podcast has like that guy I forget his name Young who like Jamie. who Google's all of the information yeah. for him and pulls it up like instantaneously. I wish we had that because I'd love to Google um, like the psychological information on um, the the effects of repetitive. Um, like one night stands or repetitive short-term relationships um, in which you are engaging in sex uh, and how that affects like the mind and body. Because I think if I had to guess, and I'm saying this because I have heard psychologists and psychiatrists say this, um, you do that long enough with enough people and you're going to start reaping negative consequences on your emotional yeah. like well-being right yeah so i i think at base value we can agree um without even talking about soul ties that sleeping with multiple multiple people has negative effect the negative effects yes. on you okay so now that we can agree on that we need to define what that is okay mm -hmm. so we we the three of us can agree at the fact that that is a bad idea because even psychologists will say like this isn't going to end well for you Okay, so now is that a soul tie? We don't know yet, but we can at least agree that the the act of doing that will have negative consequences. What those negative consequences we now have to define, right? So one of the things that I think we've done poorly since we we're talking about um, definitions and um, semantics in, in our conversation thus far um, is I think we have defined poorly what a soul is right? Because that's kind of the crux. We know what a tie is. That's easy enough. It's like a bond. It's a knot. It's something that holds two things together. We can define that. That's fine. What is a soul though? Okay. Because what we might consider a soul in the modern era and what ancient Hebrews considered a soul 5,000 years ago, what Greeks considered a soul, what the Bible says is different between a soul and a spirit, right? are a bunch of different things, right? Um, and we don't agree necessarily on what those are. And I think part of the confusion is we have different words for all of those things. And so um, in, in ancient Hebrew, there was a distinction between spirit and soul, okay? And I know that because we talk about the spirit of God and God's spirit entering into people, not God's soul entering into people. We don't we don't ever hear anything about God's soul, not once, as far as I know in the Bible. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure we never once hear anything about God's soul, right? 
So there is a particular, maybe human thing that is a soul that isn't what a spirit is, right? And the Greeks kind of conflate these two, and we've taken essentially the Greek philosophy on this and ran with it wholesale. Um, and they kind of have the same thing because there's a group that came around called the Gnostics, and they kind of just conflated these things together, right? Um, but the word for soul in Hebrew is nephesh, um, and it means it's like throat, neck, but it's also um, like life, breath, um, passion, like distinctly kind of human activity things. Not that God doesn't breathe or have passion, um, but it because it's never used with something with God, um, it makes me think that it maybe is intrinsic to human beings, right? But everything that it's described as, so if you go onto Bible Hub and you look up the word nephesh, um, it will come up with things that are intrinsically physical in nature that are tied with this larger kind of emotional, spiritual thing, right? So go on, go on Bible Hub. You're going to be our, our Google person for today. This is fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why I decided you were the person. I guess I could have looked it up myself. But Get on the Google machine. The Googles. Nephesh is N-E-P-H-E-S-H. Okay, what do we got? So let's see. Oh, the internet. Okay. Um, Strong's Concordance puts nephesh as a soul, living being, life, self, person, desire, passion, appetite, emotion. Yeah. So that is the soul is the totality of what a human is. Okay. That's the Hebrew the, the totality of what a human can do is and will be, right? That is the soul. It is the emotional, it is the physical, it is the mental, it is the spiritual all wrapped up together, right? Whereas spirit is something that is distinctly other than that physicalness, right? But it's all tied together, right? Because we are jointly spiritual and physical beings, right? But nephesh is kind of, somewhere in the middle, right? It is the it is the Hebrew word for the conglomerate of all that we are, right? And so when we're talking about soul ties, we're not talking explicitly about something spiritual, some spiritual phenomenon that is happening outside of the physical reality of what sex is, right? We're talking about, I think, I, I think it is the joining together of emotional, mental, uh, relational, um, as physical aspect of two human beings, right? Which we discussed earlier. It's like we can agree that when people sleep around over and over again, it is deleterious for their emotional, physical, mental well-being, right? Yeah, Relational we well-being. To, we have to discuss why, though. I think. It's yeah. The, so I'm just I'm just defining right. terms. So I think when we talk about souls, we're not talking about explicitly spirit because I think we have linked those together yeah, in the modern so mind whereas under, the Hebrews did not right. necessarily. My understanding of the, the distinction between nefesh and the spirit is that nefesh is like the the breath of life. You might think of this like consciousness um, and the spirit of God or the spirit is the imago Dei. And yeah, so yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the higher order spirit animals... Spirit is given, nefesh is... Um, so Nefesh wasn't used in Genesis whenever God breathed into Adam? It's it's also used Is for Is it the, not the same? Well, it's used, I don't think so. It's used for the higher order animals too. It's used for humans and animals. The difference between the animals, the higher order animals, what you might think I'll of Google like it. animals bearing consciousness over against humans is the Imago Dei. This is also the difference which makes humans liable to the law. Yeah which makes them capable of sin. And I don't want to really get into the animal thing that, unless you want a, to. That's a weed that we could go into, but... <laughs> I mean, we can, but so the, the, the reason why I think the distinction is important with regards to this conversation is uh, that the... So, so when it comes to soul ties or what we might think of as like nefesh ties, um, I think it's better... We just call these memories. I think these are just memories. Um, it is possible to get so drunk that you can have sex with someone and not remember who that person was at all. It is possible to have sex with 10,000 women, uh, whatever basketball player supposedly did that, 
uh, Will, Will, Chamberlain? Will Chamberlain. Yeah. Okay. He doesn't remember all 10,000 of those people. Um, and, and it, so it, and even marriage itself isn't given an eternal permanence in the scripture. Like it seems to suggest that our marriage to our spouse, our, our partners, our spouses ends at death and that into eternity, we are in communion with God in eternal communion with God. Like mm-hmm. we're together with each other, but the institution of marriage isn't there anymore. Um, and so I think it's safer to just call these things memories. And to Caleb's point, we all agree that it is dangerous to repeatedly sleep around with people that you don't know. The reason I think it's dangerous, and this is something Caleb's going to get into tonight with his message, but I think we can talk a little bit about it here because the message isn't going to be recorded. So we won't be able to go back. People won't be able to go back and watch it. No spoiler alerts. Um, (laughs) Actually, we can do as many spoiler alerts. Yeah, because you've already heard it. So that's right. So, um, Caleb's going to set up the importance of trust going into marriage. And when you think about um, someone who sleeps with random people or lots of people, you think about how that person loses their ability to trust. And I don't think it's because the other person is becomes untrustworthy. It's because when you continue to repeatedly sleep with other people, you become trust, yeah, untrustworthy. Right. And yeah, then yeah, you yeah, project yeah. that onto other people. Correct. Yes. Like you, you you erode your own ability to trust other people so there's because another you thing, yourself are no longer trustworthy. Yes, but there's another thing as well that you lose, and that is the ability to have intimacy. Like, and you you can lose that in a number of ways. And um I want to tread lightly here, but you can also lose that with unconsensual sex like with Which, being for the abused. record we've talked we've mentioned this a couple <clears throat> of times um like being so drunk that you can't remember someone uh if you can't consent that's a problem and f- a lot and i hear this all the time with college students and i just want to say this because it's a i think it's a healthy warning um so i was at a in grad school i was at a university that had at least two now very major um, national news level allegations of um, a sexual assault and rape because of drunk college students getting too drunk and no one consented. So don't do it. And I know that's like that's the only time people do have like one night stands is because they're so drunk because they lose their inhibitions. And it's like that is a very dangerous game to play because you can't consent if you are inebriated. Yeah, but so even even then, so I just right? want to put that warning out. So go ahead now. So continue. okay, so say that you are the Oh, One, for the record, the, it doesn't say nefesh. It is Adonai, we aser apar ha-adam et Elohim um, ha-adama min be'apa. I don't know that word. Weyapa <laughs> uh, is breathed. Life is hayim uh, nismat le nepes ha-adama. Okay. So no nefesh. Well, there you go. Breathe life, two different words. <clears throat> okay, so... um. Now back to our regular scheduled programming. Um, on, if you ever wondered what ancient Hebrew sounds like, <laughs> on the idea, <laughs> on the idea that uh, you lose the ability to be intimate as well, is that um, you begin to look at uh, sex, and then someone, and you begin to look at sex and other people as just um, transactions, transactions, and objects. Yeah, a means to an end. Essentially, you look at them, you objectify them. Yeah, um, and this can be men or you know guys or girls, y'all can both do this. Um, as Michael said last week, uh, both sexes effectually uh, suck. Like, <laughs> so, like, we're all terrible. <laughs> so, um, but, but what I wanted to say here is that whether it's uh, abuse, whether it's something that's done to you or whether it's something that you have chosen, um, extramarital sex, premarital sex makes it near impossible to be intimate with your spouse especially early on in the process. Like, and what I mean by intimacy is, I mean that you don't look at sex as a transactional um, occurrence, and you also don't look at sex as something that's bad um, or that is something that's traumatic. Um, you, you, you actually lose your ability to connect with that person that you're supposed to be connecting with uh, for the rest of your life as as husband and wife and so i don't think it's just trust that you lose and for the record you, you, you can patch that and work on it yeah so that's what it, I, I wanted to get it's to hard that. work yes it's hard work it's near that's why i said at the beginning it's near impossible at the beginning 
for you to do that because yeah. it's going to take a ton of rewiring your brain to look at sex a different way. Yeah. Um, and it has to be a rewiring of your brain. So when I say that, that when you have uh, premarital sex that you are essentially taking something from someone and you are giving something to them and they are taking something from you and they are giving something to you is that you essentially, they are essentially taking away and you are giving away the ability to, what you said, to trust and also to have intimacy down the road. They are taking something away from you that should be beautiful for you and your spouse. So like say, for instance, if both of y'all actually waited till your wedding night, um, I cannot speak from experience on this because I failed in this um, and very much regrettably so, but how much more beautiful would it be for two partners to discover what sex is supposed to be together while they are married? It might be awkward at the beginning, but they don't know it's awkward. Yeah. It might be hard, but they don't know that. Like they just know that they're discovering it together. And that is what is bonding the intimate tie between the two is we're discovering this together. We're experiencing this together. We're experiencing all the first at the same exact time. And that is why it's so much more precious. And, um, and I think, I think so a phrase that like a biblical phrase that came into my mind when you said that is, and I think it plays a role in this is, they're exp it might be awkward and weird because they don't know what they're doing, but the phrase that came into my mind, and it actually comes from Genesis, is they knew no shame. Yeah. Right? There is no shame in it because there's there's an innocence to it. And that's I think that's one of the – I mean, shame is such a powerfully bad thing. So I was going to say that's what they carry. give you. And we carry that yeah. everywhere we go, right? We 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 – hand it off to other people we receive it from other people and the less of that trans like shame transaction that you can have the better something that you said though that i think is interesting so you you talked about memories right um and as i've been listening to kendall like that kept coming back into my mind and i think you're somewhat right on memories i think the problem with the way you have brought it up and mentioned it is that you've kind of limited memories to only this like dissociative mind process, like cognitive process um, that has nothing to do with the rest of your body, where I always argue it it has everything to do with the rest of your body. Like, so for example, so every time- the, the memories can be psychosomatic. They, so like they can. And I think that's exactly what we're like, I think that's like the Hebrew, the, I keep going back to this Hebrew understanding of nefesh because I think it's exactly that. It's psychosomatic in a lot of ways, right? Sex is psychosomatic in a lot of ways. And here's why. I remember, so when I was a kid, I played basketball um, through high school and there would be times when you'd get on the bus at like, you know, in the middle of December at six in the morning to go travel to whatever tournament or games that you had that day, right? And, um, you get on the bus and it smelled like diesel fuel, right? So every time I smell diesel fuel and it is cold outside, I immediately am thrown back to 2010 um, high school sophomore Caleb. Um, and I have like physical feelings that go along with that. I have senses that are tied into that smell. You just start taste. crossing up the air. Like, <laughs> <laughs> shooting into some air shots. Yeah. <laughs> Kobe. Right. So the the memory is both triggered by my senses, but my senses can be triggered by a memory. And that's like well known like scientific data. And I think that is exactly what is going on. We start connecting our senses, our mind, our memories in the act of yeah. sex, right? The the larger, it's not just boop, did a deed, done. Um, there is a, a psychosomatic moment that is attached with some of those. And the more powerful the psychosomatic moment is, the more your senses are caught up into it. And I Well, think, that's going to keep coming up, right? Like, yeah, so yeah, even yeah. if so you get married, you have, yeah. Right, the, some powerful trigger that is associative to that moment you had with said person. Let's say you now have that with your wife or husband. Guess what's going to happen in your mind, whether you want to or not? Whoop, it's going to come You're going to start thinking So, for example, uh, something that a lot of people have struggled with um, you get married, right? Um, and you've been, or let's say you have an affair, right? 
um, and someone comes over to your house and you have sex, right? And you do it in your bed. Um, let's say your wife learns about it. You're trying to patch things up now. You end the relationship. You're doing all that you can. Do you think you are going to have um, a positive experience? Let's say your wife, do you think your wife is going to have a positive experience in that bed because of the memories and moments that have now been associated with it? No, right? You, you just, because you can't stop thinking about the fact that something happened here, right? Um, and a lot of people will just literally toss out the mattress because that mattress has become associated. Our brains have a powerful way of associating time, place, objects, and emotions with sex, right? And I, I really think that that's kind of what this nefesh word is talking about. It's a deeper, it's still very physical, like your your spirit, to your point, I don't think the spirit of God is caught up in that. The the imago dei is necessarily caught up in that, but the the whole beingness is still caught up in that. And I think I think the differentiation between spirit and soul, at least in the Hebrew way, kind of helps us understand kind of what I think the very real and important point that you have made. Yeah. So what, what, <clears throat> I appreciate your articulation. I think that what you're articulating is, is the effect of sin in the sense that yes, certain memories are psychosomatic. I think this is more likely to happen with something like trauma, but it is the case that non-traumatic uh, experiences can result in psychosomatic memories, like what you were talking about, where if you smell a certain thing, it yeah, triggers a memory, boom, et cetera. Done. Right. Okay. So or uh, there's a particular perfume. I don't know what it is, but every time I smell it, I immediately think of my first girlfriend that I ever had. So the thing here is like, I don't, I don't have any issue with that. I just don't think that that's tied to another specific individual. It could be, but it's not like that. That's damage that is in you as a consequence of your sin. That's damage that you have to be redeemed from. Like the the, it, the, the issue that I have with the doctrine of soul tie is that it seems oh, is to that suggest, it's particularly connected with another. Yeah, it's just like you, you, I you, gotcha. It's like if you, it's possible for a person before they get married to have this this network of. Ties. tendrils yeah, that reach out yeah, into yeah, the yeah. world to 50 other people and that that it's just but that's why i'm telling you that it's not it's a poor the word is a poor representation and an idea it's a poor idea to try to explain the danger of sin the danger so of sin and and that what caleb is saying is a hundred percent correct and what you are saying is a hundred percent correct but yeah. if someone listens to this and they want to try to explain it in a very concise right quick manner they're gonna say oh you're tied to that person and when when you actually start to reveal the layers like we are now yeah you you are but you also aren't like you you have carrying this with you is almost like carrying a ghost with you like if they were real. So like carrying a ghost with you, we'll get into that later. <laughs> another podcast, another time. <laughs> so I saw your face light up, Michael. So um, now I'm thinking about that. Anyways, if you like, it's almost like carrying someone else with you into the bedroom or carrying someone else with you into certain experiences. And um, I, I know this from experience, like this, these things absolutely happen. What Caleb was saying Don't you is think like, it depends on the quality of the sexual encounter though, whether or not you're actually carrying that specific, like I get it with the no. first girlfriend thing. Uh, I would say from my experience, no, and not to, I don't want to dive too deep into the, the details that. of that, yeah. but I'm telling you, no, I'm well, telling you, it does not matter. I'm telling you that even when I was drunk out of my mind, like there is still something that will all of a sudden, okay, not drunk out of my mind. I was I was like on the verge of that blackout, right? Where I could still remember a couple of things, but I wasn't gonna remember a bunch. And there are still times um, that like something will happen and it'll trigger a memory just like Caleb was talking about. And so it's like, yes, that is something I right. have to work out as well in sin. So it's, but it is also the fact that I still carry that person technically with me in a sense that so they are you, it's less are of a tie to that it's less of a tie and imagine you have a box that is the sex box right in your brain in your body in your emotions in your senses and instead of me like having a string that wherever i go you go now like i think your point is right you, there these aren't tendrils that go out that i'm now connected with a bunch of other people because we're not it's i have now taken that experience plopped it in a box and I have collected a bunch of experiences and plopped it in that box. And now when I go and have a relationship with my wife, 
I open the sex box and there's a bunch of stuff in there that isn't with my wife, right? Yeah, so I think it's just far more accurate to, to call this damage or to call this like, to, to we, I wanna divorce this from the individual person. Like that's that's how you break this idea of the network that you have with 50 other people before you get married. Yeah. It's just damage as a consequence of sexual sin that you're importing into the marriage. Yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm 100% down with that. Um, but this but 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 the, the idea of importing the actual other people in, I think, is where the, the issue for me lies. Right. Well, I, I will go back to um, the the kind of illustration that we're going to be using. Um, I, I do believe for the the sermon um, with the, the unity candle, like I do believe that when you have sex, you're you're lighting a candle together. Right a flame together. You're taking two flames of passion, bringing them together and lighting one flame of passion, right? To some degree, I think that is what has happened. I think I think it's representative of what the scripture teaches about two becoming one flesh, right? Even in a way that would be undesirable Correct. were it, you know. So, you but once you do that, do you have two indistinguishable flames inside of that one flame? No, there it's just one flame. You can't distinguish which one came from the right flame which one came from the left flame. And if you try to separate them, you're just going to get burned, right? Um, and that's why I, I I agree that it's like, I'm not literally like tied to this person. We might live very different lives. I could not, you know, ever talk to them again. Problem is some people actually do keep up those relationships. Then it is a tie. Then it's an actual problem. Um, and so, but the, the there is something about sex that I think is biblical in the sense that when you tie up and we use the word tie because it's just like it grammatically makes sense whether it's like the actual best definitional word to put in this um, when you tie up your mind body emotions everything being into the act of sex because that is what is happening you're you are at the most heightened your body could possibly be emotionally physically mentally during the act of, or, or, well, you should be the <laughs> most heightened. I will say that. Um, you, it, it's hard to become undistinguishable um, between the two, right? And that's why marriage is so protective and important. It's It protects the binding together of two, the cleaving together of two, which is, I, I find that so such a bizarre thing that the Hebrew yeah, uses a right. word for to cut in half as mm -hmm. also the same word for to bring together. Um, and maybe that's actually not a bad, like, because you're not, so like the, if you're confused at what I'm talking about, um, the Hebrew word for cleave is used both to cut in half like you would, like you're a meat cleaver, but you also cleave by bringing two people together, right? And I think what sex outside of marriage is, it's the cutting in half as opposed to bringing together. Um, and the cutting in half, like you can't cleave something without causing irreparable, dam irreparable damage, right? It's like if you take a piece of meat and you cleave it with a meat cleaver, the meat is damaged, right? Um, and this is to the point you're talking about. We're, talk we're talking about damage. I just want to be careful with the irreparability of all this also. See, see, here's the thing. Well, I mean, if this, I'm just uh, for the meat analogy. At yeah, least. well, but here, but that's what, that's the same way this kind of thing is delivered with soul ties. It's like, oh, you have this, you have these, these bonds, you have these connections. You can never be like someone who had, who had been a virgin until they were married. You can never experience marriage the same way that a virgin would, would experience it. I mean, can you? I think that it's possible that no. Christ can redeem people. Okay, I think that he can redeem people like, from well, a sinful nature. I don't nature, think he can but undo I don't think, history. Yeah. He, he, he probably can. He's all powerful. I don't he just doesn't. I don't think that God is going to just erase our memory. I mean, even sinful stuff. No, right? it's you not still, about erasing it. It's about reprocessing it. Yes. So even if he reprocesses, it's still something that you lived. It's still a lived experience that you will carry through the rest of your life. Just because it's it's something that is redeemed. Like for instance, okay, say that- It's not erased. Um, it's, yeah, there's a distinction between erased and redeemed. Yes, but so, redeemed and healed, Okay, I would say are the same. But even, yes, end. even if you're healed though, you, you can look at something in a different perspective, but it does not mean that it is gone. It does not mean that you forget about it. 
for instance, if if someone really was abused as a as a younger kid or um, even recently, and they were a virgin before that, and then they got abused, like I'm not saying that. Oh well, sucks for you. Like you're, you know, you can never be healed and you can never experience joy. Like you actually can do that, but that doesn't change the fact that something did happen, and you are going to have to work through that, and you are going to have to uh, see it from a different perspective through the eyes of of Christ. Even when you do that, it still happened and it is still something that affects your life today and it can shift from this is a super negative effect to okay, it had a negative effect on me before, but now it is positive um in a sense that it's something that God has redeemed me from. I can point to God's faithfulness in this in this situation and I can see his faithfulness and his goodness and his redemption in this situation. However, it doesn't change the fact that it happened to me and I'm still going to carry those things cuz even when you are healed, you still are like when you're healed and you are forgiving people or you're forgiving someone who did something to you or you're trying to forget about some of the things that you've done like you st- it's still a choice like it's still a choice almost daily especially early on in the process it is still a choice to not dig back up old things to put your hands back into the sacrificial blood so to speak like to to not do that is a difficult process and i'm telling you i'm speaking from from experience on both spectrums from someone who chose and someone who didn't choose okay i'm saying that even if there's healing you still carry some of these things with you. There is still baggage that, yes, you can lay at the feet of Jesus, but then you have to choose not to pick it back up. Because even the, even when God heals, you can go and dig up the crap that you, if you wanted to, but he doesn't erase it from your memory. You still have to carry these things. And I would say too, like I want to I want to mention on the word cleave, I think the reason why... And again, I'm no Hebrew scholar, but I think the reason why what came to mind of the difference of cleave versus cutting things in half and then cleaving as a man uh, and wife or man and a woman do in marriage Mm -hmm. is that you are cutting yourself in half and intertwining yourself with this other person. Right. And so like, that's what I, that's what I view it as is like, it's it's used in that manner because right. you literally are giving of yeah. yourself in the same way that you know, Adam was cleaved to make Adam and Eve. Yes, like it takes surgery to bring them back together in some capacity. Yes, so like which when involves you, cutting. Yes, and it's so, cutting away of all the and I mean marriage should be this like you cleave off. You should be in the process, hopefully before, but if you didn't do it before, at least yeah, during, you've probably cleaving heard, off all of the bad things that don't belong here. You've probably heard the phrase, like, my better half or whatever. Yeah. Like, I would say that that's probably where it came from, or uh, to some probably, degree, yeah. like, to some mindset of, like, they're my better half because they have cleaved away well, so even- what, is, what is wrong in me and helped me become who I need to be in marriage. Like when you yep. get married, you should be, uh, when you have a spouse is in this kind of take a different turn. When you have a spouse and you're married, they should be making you into a better person yep. and a better follower of Christ, just as you should be making them into a better person, and a better follower of Christ, not by lording it over them, but by loving them well and serving them well right. and caring for them. And, that helps you cleave to one another. So what is happening in premarital sex is that you are doing part of the cleaving, which is the cutting, but you are not doing the cleaving together. You are not doing the binding together in a Christ-like manner. You are simply cutting away of yourself and giving it away, and they're cutting away and giving it away, but then you don't have any of this time that's that it's being intertwined with intimacy and with love and right. with service and commitment. commitment. Like these things aren't happening. So you're only doing one half. And so you're getting the, the intertwining, the one flesh in some sense, yeah. like Paul says in first Corinthians, you're getting that without the trust, the commitment and the intimacy, which is abs, which is actually killing your ability to have that with someone else later on down the road. It is it is one hundred percent detrimental to your ability to do that down the road. Yeah. Okay, so we have a couple doors open. I want to address these, and then Ooh, I'll, and open then doors. You, you guys have the last word on this. Um, okay, so the first thing is, 
I do think it's the case that healed or redeemed damage becomes an asset. Okay, this oh, is, yeah, is the absolutely. same. To, to view trauma or to view uh, negative experiences uh, as permanent damage is a mistake. In the Correct. same way, it would be a mistake to say that if you go when you go to the gym and you tear all of your muscle fibers in the in hypertrophy, yeah. that it just stays in a torn condition right. permanently. Uh, it when, doesn't. When it, it heals, it becomes an asset. Yeah. And that continual uh, push up against resistance, both in life and right. in the gym, makes you stronger and better. And well, that's and a consequence I, of being redeemed from issues. And for the scriptural connection to that, uh, you know, Paul talks about, um, you know, what what was meant for evil, God uses for good. The the horrible things, the bad things, the tearing that happens in your life, if you allow God to do something with it, changes from something torn, broken, and problematic into something good, beautiful, and... It is you know. the gospel. Okay, yeah, quite so, literally. So, and then I think it's Boom. also an issue to... I, I wouldn't make the dichotomy between virgin and... Um, someone who's not a virgin as pure or impure. I think that we are impure from the beginning, from the start. It's just, it's already there. Um, now I get why people do it because they're, they're using purity in reference to virginity, which okay. But a, a virgin is not a, a person purified of sin. They're not they're purified of broken. Yeah, well, you could it, also technically be a virgin and also not be pure in, in and sexual nine million nature. other things. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, 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 so the, but I mean, the Bible does use that. It's like, we talk about sexual purity, like, but it always connects it specifically to one thing. So you can be sexually pure and not a pure human being in the sense that like, I, I didn't sleep with anyone before I married them, but I murdered 17 people. Mm. Well, even mm. when Psalm 119 like, that doesn't says, make you pure. how can a young man stay pure by hiding your word in his heart? Like that word, if I'm correct, ta is talking specifically about in a sexual nature. So yeah, like it, it is the case that like progressive sexual deviance increases impurity. So I can yes. see where that where yeah, the yeah, overall yeah. purity. Yeah, impurity like in issues. other and, and the Bible is yes. trying to protect against that. Perfect. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm down with that. All right, all right. Cool. The next thing is. Um, all right, you heard it. We all were on the same page on something. <laughs> Took us 46 minutes, but we did it. <laughs> I don't think that this idea of soul ties is simply like a benign, useful fiction. Okay, so when you think about like a an innocent, useful fiction, every gun is loaded is a useful fiction. Correct. It's just not true. But if you don't act as if it's true, people get shot like accidentally with alarming frequency. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, so you teach everyone every gun is, and loaded. is loaded. Yeah. And it's, it's a lie, but it's actually a beneficial lie. Right. Okay. So I don't think soul ties falls into the same thing. And one of the reasons is because it lends itself to this idea that there is, this is just one of the reasons there's multiple reasons we could talk about, but one of them is that it lends itself to this idea that there is someone out there who completes you. And Colossians two ten suggests that you're complete in Christ. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that it does. I would not draw those two conclusions. I wouldn't draw the conclusion that someone completes me based off of the fact that there might be a soul tie. What or then whatever, is like, what then is the better half? that we were talking about earlier. Like that's the, so, the one you've made a commitment with. Yeah, the one you've made a commitment with. We've even preached that. One thing we have been consistent on in all of our relationship series is Go that us. there is not one, there is not a the one yeah. for you. Like there is not a perfect The one is the one that you, you have there. said till death do us part. Yes. That's it. If but you that marry, could have been If you marry the one wrong one, well, guess what? People. Now they're the right one. Like if you if you messed <laughs> up like, and you married the wrong person, well, you are committed. And so you better commit to being the right person and pray that they commit to being the right yeah. person because that is, that is what that means. So I don't think that... The, Maybe you could. I think that it would be People a stretch might. to draw those, so but I still think well, it's a stretch. I, I, so you, to your point, I think what you're trying to get at is like there's an, an associative level when we say soul ties to be like my, you know, the what's the term that we use with souls for a significant other that we... Soulmate? Word. Yeah, soulmate, right? So yeah. I, I think there's a link there that... Maybe we don't make, but people out in the ethos Again, of the world a make. terrible word, soul tie, for a... All right, so we concede soul tie, not a great word, but that's because <clears throat> well, better. it took us 46 right. minutes to get to the fact that obviously there's something deeper going on. But how do you do that when you're, you can't just break down for 46 minutes, enter this conversation, 
and then pick up afterwards. Just, I think we just have to use the right heuristics on this. Like we have to yeah. we have to come up with the right low Define resolution. heuristics for people who so it's know like a, what that it's is. It's a low resolution term that represents yeah. a high resolution reality. Right. So for instance, when you're driving down the road and I tell you don't crash into that guardrail, um, I could tell you don't crash into that thing which is made of all the different things a guardrail's made of steel, right. yeah, aluminum, yeah, yeah. etc. But at some level it becomes useless yeah. to break it down any further. So like So what is the what is the I, I, this even, was the question even, that came to mind. What's a, the useful lie, so to speak, that describes what we are talking about? Because we all agree on the same thing. It's like we're trying to protect people from the negative effects of sleeping over and over and over again with different people. So what is the, the I don't know how to the put phrase. it into a, a one word or, or an two a, word easy or, phrase, or but I'm saying that when you have premarital sex, they are taking from you and you are taking from them. Like you are literally And there is taking. damage done. Yes, and there is damage at, done. At every level, physical, emotional, mental. Spiritual. Yeah, I, I think that that's fine. I think that's fine. You're harming each other. And so it's and not a it's not a beautiful like nice quick well, quippy phrase but I think it that, still you know, means to a lot your of point we have tied mm -hmm. a nice little bow tie on a thing that's actually really bad and harmful it's like soul tie sounds lovely and quaint and fine and it's like no you are just damaging and harming people and we should probably leave it at that because to make it just sound it, nice well, the reason, the damaging deed i think the reason why it gets switched to soul tie instead of just saying hey you're causing damage which you could then be healed and redeemed from is yeah. that we think as church leaders um well, if I tell them that having sex with their girlfriend or boyfriend is going to cause them damage, which they then could be healed from well, through redemption anyway. through Christ, that that's not enough deterrence. Yeah. But here's the thing: you can try to you can try to manipulate language to increase the deterrence of something, right. but you're going to end up with an idea that is not the same right. thing as what we're trying to deter people from. Which something we're going to talk about tonight is that the church's for a very long time mode of doing this is deterrence. It's like, we're just going to tell you about all the bad things so that hope that you don't. When in reality, we should probably be doing the opposite and telling about all of the good things that come along with the positive aspects of a right understanding of sex and marriage, right? Because if you talk about, instead of trying to say, this is bad, you're going to get hurt, it's like, let me show you what you're missing out on. Here's the good of what could be. Yeah. And that's like, it's a deterrent, but in the reverse effect. We just talk about marriage as in the such a good way. Yeah, like the representation yeah, yeah, of, yeah, the, yeah. of the And we the talk about sex communion. in such a good way that people are like, oh, now I understand. And yeah, I don't want the damage that comes with this, but um, like I'm missing out on something so powerful, good and beautiful if I don't. Right, so the negative, the reverse deterrent, so to speak. Yeah, listen, guys, we could do this for a whole nother hour. Um, there's so Let's much. Do it. There's so much <laughs> What's your next so, question? <laughs> so, if you didn't come to United, then go back. Oh wait, we're not recording it. Just listen yeah. to this again. Yeah, <laughs> send yeah. in some questions. Don't DM forget, you left podcast, the number one podcast on Spotify. Rate and review us. In Indiana County. Everywhere. We don't want to lie. We're not the number yeah. one podcast. We are the number one United podcast in Indiana County. Four young adults. Four young adults. <laughs> right. Ages 18 to Joe, 30. With an orange background. Joe Rogan, yes. if you're listening to this, you better start sweating because we're coming for you. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Uloft podcast. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to it. Also, come out and join us for a Unite every Tuesday at 7.27 p.m. This is a time of music, friends, and important teaching. You don't want to miss it. You can learn more about Unites, as well as everything else we do, by visiting unitediup.com. Thank you all for hanging out with us, and we will see you in the next episode.